This podcast is brought to you by audible.com. Now you can receive a free audiobook if you go to audible.com and sign up to become a member. And if you download an audiobook and then cancel the free membership, you actually get to keep the audiobook forever. And that's at audible.com. one of the amazing autumn days today. It was really good. It was really good. Inside was a bit chilly. In Melbourne, it's, it's becoming a little cold. And but when you step outside, no wind, perfect, perfect sun. And you can feel it, you know, the warmth on the, on the skin. And just walking along, it's an immediate mood lifter. It just is. It really, really is. And so I was, I was walking along, just listening to my favorite song and, you know, on, on, on repeat and the album and stuff like that and just enjoying the moment. Hey, I wonder, I've got some really cool stuff to talk about, but I just wanted to, you know, go wherever the flow takes me on this one. Just a quick question. Do you have like on your Spotify or you know Apple Music or... Deezer or whatever, you know, YouTube music, stuff like that. Do you have like a, a playlist where it's like a playlist where it's full of songs that, you know, you in public, you would be embarrassed to, you know, recognize and officially let people know that I like that song, even though it's officially terrible. Do you have a playlist? I do. I do. And it's full of the songs that, I would never admit to my mates. And uh, actually, that's that's not true. We we had one night where we were together, um, my mates, and we were uh, enjoying um, the company and possibly, you know, booze. And um, and it gets to that point where the night where you're friends and you've been friends forever, and you you just start sort of saying things. So that was one of the uh, one of the uh, topics that was raised. And oh man, the songs that were getting thrown around and the laughter as we openly confessed to all of the, you know, the crazy songs that we officially, you know, did not like, but unofficially liked. And so, yeah, I think I'm going to save that podcast episode for another one. It's just going to be full of confessions. I'm just going to, it's a safe space, right? I can, I can lay it out there. I'm just going to make a quick note of that. Um, that was the sound of my uh, my phone um, coming out of this awesome slider. It's um, Here's the thing. I got this thing from Ikea. Um, here's the noise of it because obviously I don't do video. 
It's a wooden holder thing. Um, it's so simple. It's like just a wooden... Oh, man, I wish I had the thing to describe it. The wooden um, holder. It's got like two little cuts, grooves, where you can just put phones and tablets and all kinds of crazy stuff in it. They're like two bucks. I think I bought like 20. And every room in my house has about three of these things. Um, is that littering? Possibly. But you always want to put something down, right? You always want to put it down and and, uh, and have it, you know, face up whether it's, you know, your iPad for like recipes or music or your phone or or whatever. It's really good. This plus like your old phone that no longer works anymore because it's like sitting in the drawer. You download like, I think it's called the Zen free clock or something and it turns it into one of those old school clocks. Pro tip, um, I do that. And if, if you're like me and you have a few old phones and you need to, understand like different time zones and stuff then it's pretty cool you can actually download um like multiple apps and change the time zones and you've got this cool collection of clocks um where was i going with this that's right i was gonna make a note on here so i run um i've got a i'm very organized i've got actually a, a uh, thing under there um on the comfy place and the episodes and stuff like that all right, so this episode idea is not sad songs. I was going to say sad song confession. It's not sad song confession. It's, um, what would it be? Tragic, possibly. Embarrassing, definitely. But it's actually like a celebration. You know, music is an awesome thing. I remember growing up and music was like sports teams. You only had to like one thing. Man, why do you like that band? They're terrible. You need to like this band and stuff like that. Um, it's kind of like someone telling you that you have to like one flavor of, of ice cream. Makes no sense unless it's spearmint. What the hell is with spearmint? Seriously, I know you're nodding with me right now. You're like, yeah, what's the hell with spearmint? Spearmint is what you get when someone doesn't like the world and makes ice cream that tastes like spearmint. So... Let's get back to this. I'm going to call this Secret Songs. Yeah, that's what I'm going to call it. Secret Songs, it is. I'm going to confess of all the the secret songs and list them all out and just get it all out there because there's a few. And I know, I know that we'll have a moment and we will share that moment together because we've all got it and you know what music is music we all love it and so of all the different types so i've got that down there it is edited etc actually it's not edited it's not even recorded it's probably really difficult to record this episode as well as recording the other one as well just just putting that out there i have a great story but before we do that it was rather rude of me. I should say, hi, welcome to Comfy Place. I hope you are relaxing. I hope you are kicking back and you're just taking some time out for yourself. Whether it's, you know, laying down or just kicking back on the couch or walking along, driving in a European country, um, pulling one out of the top of my head. Georgia, for instance, you know, just... 
off the top of my head. Or you're over in the beautiful countries in the Middle East. And um, I've obviously picked up a few listeners in Iran as well. So hi to you guys. It's um, every single time I look at the, the stats and I see new countries and people coming on, I just think that's awesome. So good. So hi, welcome. And I hope you are having a relaxing day, um, night, evening, or morning. So yeah, I have some cool news uh, to talk about. This is actually really, really cool. So the first one takes place in uh, in Mexico, of all cool places. Um, and this one, I found out, was actually a family. Um, they gave up fishing to monitor and rescue sea turtles. Strange, huh? But, but let me just, just walk you through this. And this comes with a bit of a, a warning that I'm going to get names and the pronunciations of names absolutely and utterly wrong. So my apologies. I'll do my best. That's all that we can do. Here we go. And the first word starts with a name that I'm going to get absolutely and utterly wrong. The Bajera de Quino, Mexico. I'm just going to pause for whoever lives in that local area to shake their head. Again, I'm sorry. For several years, uh, Cosmer Becerra was tasked with sacrificing a sea turtle to be eaten at the festival. In the mid-90s, the fisherman received a large live turtle several days before you know, one of those events. And he kept the turtle in his family's bathroom. Um, actually, I should start. This is written by Rebecca Kessler um, at news.mongabay.com. So go there and check it out for other stuff. Um, but that's written by her, so I'm just going to read it out. But I want to give that due credit uh, to her. Let me start again. Uh, Bajera de Quino in Mexico. For several years, the Cosma Bajera was tasked with sacrificing a sea turtle to be eaten at the festival uh, in the mid-1990s. And the fisherman received a large live turtle several days before one of those events. He kept the turtle in his family's bathroom, uh, waiting for the day of the festival. But it wouldn't stop making a noise of, ooh, ooh. Yeah, that sounds like an owl. It's literally the words are like H, and there's about four, four O's. So that'd be, maybe it's a, ooh, ooh. I'm going to go with a mixture of the two. Okay, so it's going to be who, who. We should move on. Said Becker, imitating the animal's wheeze when he heard the night. Is that a wheeze? <gasps> no, let's just stick with it. Um, and he heard the night after. That sigh, that noise wouldn't let me sleep, said Becker. On one side, I was hearing it, and the other side, Moni, my wife, would not let me sleep, saying to me, poor little thing, she looks like a woman, she looks like she's crying. Did you see her tears? They're all over the floor. Let's let her go, please. Although he did not want uh, didn't want to because the turtle belonged to someone else, uh, Monica uh, insisted that Raquera return the turtle to the sea the following day. We released her. And since then, we have not gone back to consuming turtles or killing them, Bakeda said at the, um, yeah, the moment, which is um, seared in his memory before a Mexican law prohibited the practice in the 1990s. So there's another bit of good news that Mexican law prohibited this. 
the fishers saw the turtles uh, they occasionally caught by accident as a source of extra income, and they could help in the event of the economic you know, emergency. Like when one of our children had Bikera family was hospitalized for that reason. Years later, in 2010, Cosmo Bikera wanted to return uh, the favor. He decided to formally dedicate his, his time to the conservation of turtles in Kino Bay. It's a small um, uh, fishing community with about 6,400 residents located in the state of so- Sonora in northwest Mexico. I love finding out about new stuff about, you know, countries um, and, you know, the, the things that I don't un- understand. Like Mexico, I don't have a lot of, you know, knowledge. I went to Tijuana. I had an amazing time. How can you not have an amazing time in Tijuana? That's a story for another podcast. But in short, it was an amazing time. A green uh, sea turtle. Um, oh, sorry. Cosmo Bahera left the fishing industry, and since 2007, he has worked as a boat captain for a marine mammal monitoring efforts to run uh, by the uh, Prescott Center, an Arizona-based educational institution with facilities in Kino Bay that focused on the social and environmental studies. Throughout this work, Bakera convinced his family that the future was in wildlife conservation. So now, the Bakera family, made up of about 15 relatives, including spouses, parents, siblings, cousins, children, and grandchildren, practiced sustaining fishing. They combined this with other professions and dedicate the part of their time to conserving the conservation work. In order to fund this conservation work, they turned to programs offered by the non-governmental organizations or environmental institutions within the Mexican government. However, the group has not always managed to obtain what they need to go out to sea and monitor the sea turtles. Members of the Kino Bay Turtle Group and the indigenous... Oh, oh God, here's a word. I want to try. Comcac? Uh, yeah, I've got that completely wrong. Youth during the training for the launch of the new monitoring team and their ancestral territory. Imaged by Astrid. Oh, sorry, I've um done that thing where I use the app Pocket, you know, to download. It's a cool app. It'll download the news, but it'll or the article, the website, and it'll strip away all of the, you know, the imagery and stuff like that. So. I'm just reading out, there's an image, There's a line that says, image by Astrid Arlo. If you go to the website, you'll see the awesome image. I'm sure it's awesome. In any case, the family invested their savings and income to buy a boat, which they named La Tortiguera, after the Spanish word for turtle. Now they use this boat to monitor turtles and rescue them in the abandoned fishing gear. Okay, here's a cool one. It's a, it's a quick one. I found this this morning while having coffee, and I thought, actually, I've got to, I've got to mention this. This is kind of nice. So the Nippon Foundation announced that a quarter of the ocean is now mapped. I kind of had the assumption that 100% of the ocean was now mapped, but no. Check this out. So when the project was launched in 2017, only 6% of the ocean had been mapped. I know it's a big place, but yeah, I thought well, that's kind of cool. Like outside of six percent, um, there's no map. There's nothing. It's just blue, and then large pictures of dragons and stuff like that. So my immediate, you know, thought of that one was maybe Atlantis still exists. I I don't want this to just swing into one of those crazy 
you know, podcast about conspiracy theories, but I just really would love for them to go, you know what, we've kind of found an underwater city, Atlantis is real people, so only 6%, so technically 94%, there's an option possibly to have Atlantis, maybe not, I don't know, we live in hope. Well now, so in six years, um, a total of 90 million kilometres have been mapped, um, so yeah, it's 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 gone up and it's fantastic. So now a quarter, twenty five percent has been mapped. I imagine they're still doing it today. Driving the boat, you know, another kilometer out the side, there's water. Put that on the map, drive another kilometer, look out the side. Oh wow, water map that. How deep's the water? It's a bit more deeper. Let's put that on the map. It's probably a little more complex than that, but I don't think we need to go into that. Let's leave it to the professionals. I look forward to the crazy website where, like Google Maps or something, where we can see, you know, all the cool stuff. And maybe, just maybe, just maybe, Atlantis. Yeah. Okay, here's another cool one. An, an eagle who adopted a rock... That's right, an actual rock has actually become a real dad, which is kind of cool. Let me read this one to you. I love this one. Murphy, the bald eagle, awaited um, day after day in his modest yet carefully built nest for one egg to hatch. But his keepers did not have the heart to break the news to him. The 31-year-old flightless bachelor was sitting on a rock. This comes to you from the New York Times. It was written by Olivia Albeck Ripka. So go to the New York Times, check it out for that. In a usually mild-tempered bird, a usually mild-tempered bird, Murphy gently uh, rotated his rock, uh, less uh, shaped like an egg than a small meteorite, as though to in incubate it. He lay on one's, uh, one spot all day, rising to squawk and change the other birds and charge the other birds that dared to come near his nest in the world um, bird sanctuary in Valley Park. A sign on the eagle's enclosure attempted to evade visitors' concern, noting that Murphy was not hurt, sick, or otherwise in distress. Uh, the sanctuary acknowledging the bird's behaviour, wishing him the best of luck. Perhaps it was fate then. When an orphaned eaglet, just a week or two old, was brought into the sanctuary this month, having survived, survived a fall from a tree during a storm at St. Geneva, about 60, 60 miles uh, southeast. In kilometres, that's 100 kilometres. So, you know, that was really yeah, good coincidence because, you know, divides by one. Anyway, anyway moving on. Um, in a way, Murphy was the obvious choice to foster uh, for a foster parent. Dawn Grifford, uh, the chief executive officer, uh, chief executive of the sanctuary, said in the phone interview, there was one concern. He had never looked after more than a rock. And let's be honest, a rock really doesn't need a lot of looking after. I have a rock. It's in my backyard. I don't tend to it very much at all. But it's still good. It's still there. And it's it's still a rock. I think rock is a final form. Where do you go from being a rock? Dust, I guess. Anyway, 
trust me, it's it's still a rock. It's it's rocking on. <laughs> okay, moving on. Um, Bald eagles uh, share parenting duties, so it's common for males to incubate their young. Sometimes birds brood upon uh, objects that are not eggs because of their spring hormonal surge, Miss Griffith said. She noted that Murphy's case, however, was something unusual. He had lived at the sanctuary since his early 90s and had never fathered you know, an eagle, nor had he chosen to mate with any other two females in his current enclosure, but her organisation uh, consoled uh, a concerned public. Murphy is not sad. Uh, you don't, so you don't need to be. The sanctuary worked, uh, wrote on the Facebook page. Still, Murphy kept sitting on his rock. In the preceding weeks, Murphy had become increasingly aggressive, leading the sanctuary to move in and his rock to a solo enclosure. But the keepers were moved by his tenancy and his fatherly instincts. It was like, how can we not do this? Mrs. Griffith said. How can we not give him a chance? The keepers moved tentatively, introducing the eaglet to Murphy's enclosure inside of a small heated cage. Uh, they call baby jail. Wow, that's, that's grim. Through the wire. Murphy and the chick, who's known as, and this is a really affectionate name, eaglet23-126, cautiously observed each other. Fans have implored the sanctuary uh, to change the nickname to Rocky. Oh, I love that. Or why don't you just go a little bit more complex and call it potentially Adrian? Yeah. But it is uh, considered bad luck to name a bird that will be released back into the wild. Yeah, fair enough. A few days later, the bird keepers introduced the eaglet into the shared enclosure. And we had no idea how Murphy was going to respond. <clears throat> but Murphy, his rock gone by then, took his role as a foster parent seriously. He soon began responding to the chick's peeps and protecting it. And when, as a test, the keepers placed two plates of food in front of the birds, one containing food cut into pieces that the chick could eat by itself, and the other with the whole fish that only Murphy could handle. The older bird tore up the fish and fed it to the eaglet, Mrs. Griffith said. You can definitely see the imprinting happening, which is exactly what we wanted, she said. There are some, some things such as flying, Murphy's wing was permanently damaged, and hunting that keepers will have to teach the eaglet later. On Saturday night, a storm swept over the area uh, that is the home of the bird sanctuary, Mrs. Griffith said, and Murphy did not help to keep his charge dry. This was kind of scary, she said, but she added by email, Murphy was doing very well learning how to be a first-time dad. Isn't that awesome? That's cool. So yeah, it's um, it's one of those awesome stories. Uh, that's that's you just stumble across. I really liked it. It was kind of cool. See, so anyway, I wanted to pass on some some good news, you know, around the world and some cool places and stuff like that. And you know what the really cool thing is? It takes me like no time at all to find really cool stuff. Um, often I'll I'll have them, you know, come across my path, and I'm like, oh yeah, I need to save that. Yeah, you're going to really want to hear that. Well, I'm, I'm hoping so. Okay, now story time. This is kind of cool. Settle in because this actually happened. Everything that I'm about to tell you is 100% true. And it may seem 
like it's not true. It may seem like I'm give, you know, doing artistic license, um, but it is 100% true. Let me set the stage on this. How do I begin? I should begin at the beginning. It starts about a year ago, and I am standing in front of a sporting goods store, and I'm holding a pair of shoes, a pair of soccer shoes. Now, they are not good shoes. They are the entrance level, and I've bought these by design. I'm about to embark on something which, let's be honest, I may discover that it's not really you know, to my liking. And the last thing I want to do is buy, you know, the best pair of shoes. Because, well, that's just, you know, a waste of money. The other part is, I'm frankly terrible, so there's no point in buying the best shoes. You know, you've sort of got to work your way up to that. Start with the humble, figure it out, and then go from there. A man of mine introduced me to the team, and on the promise that I don't know how to play the game, the last time I played the game was, I think it was in high school, and... The beautiful thing about you know, this game of soccer, of football, is it's actually really simple to understand. But in simplicity is the complex. You can learn the rules. You know, It takes you about half an hour to figure it out and a little bit longer for the offside rule. But once you figure it out, that's you're off. But I promise to work hard and I could run and I'm fit relatively and I would do everything I could. And so it was accepted. So I'm standing and I'm buying the shoes and a little beep and the look across, you know, the uh, the counter. I'd like to say there was like a knowing look of like you're about to embark on something that was fulfilled with destiny, but it wasn't there. I bought the shoes and I left. And fast forward to the first training day, I walked down to the what I now refer to as the hallowed ground where dreams are made. It's a soccer pitch which is located in the northeastern part of Melbourne, right where suburbia gives way to the forests that are of Victoria, Australia. It's a perfect pitch. It's actually one of those, you know, astroturf pitches, you know, the fake ones. They're really, they've come a long way. When someone mentioned that, I had thoughts of, you know, the feeling like you've got that terrible plastic grassy stuff over concrete and it's just, it's just horrible. But if you looked at this, it looks real. And if you run, it feels fantastic. It is lined with Australian gum trees. There's a forest nearby and you can smell the forest smells of, of an evening eucalypt smell and with that not unpleasant smell of like the the you know, the dust and it's just wonderful so that's lined with the trees and the combination of that lit with the six floodlights that flood the sporting pitch with its you know white light is really really pleasing in a sunset um, you can see the sun, you know, set over, and so you get those golden lights through the trees and on the pitch. It's 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 actually really magical. Even if you weren't into the sport, walking up it was quite impressive. I thought that could be a really really cool place to 
call my soccer home. The first game, I was nervous. I was terrible. I kicked the ball. I made a lot of mistakes. And what I thought was, you know, fitness? No, that wasn't. My, uh, my lungs wanted to pack up and go on a holiday halfway through. But I worked hard. And I kept trying. And then the game eventually finished. Now, on Friday evenings, in, during the competition, there's three games that play, and you have the various teams that face off against each other. And on the side, they have the really cool pavilion, and music's playing. Oddly enough, the music is incredibly terrible. But the food, the food is fantastic. And the beer flows freely. And so after we played the game, we all went back. And before you know it, beer materialized. A lot of beer. Um, often the guys would go in and walk out with four or five, you know, um, bottles of beer and then all go down. And we just sit back and relax and drink. Not everyone drank. There was, you know, people that would just drink Coke or water or whatever. It's not really the point. And then we would watch the other games that were played. And that was incredibly enjoyable because you could watch the other teams and you could honestly critique them and know deep in your heart that whatever they were doing and whatever mistake that they made, you would not have made that mistake. You would have been, dare I say it, perfect. Absolutely perfect. And... Everyone else would, would absolutely and utterly agree. Yeah, you would have absolutely, you know, got that or it's just, just a complete camaraderie friendship experience. So I'm there, I'm standing and I'm watching the other game and then I go over and I'm like, ooh, I'm a bit hungry. And the smoky flavour and, and smells of the barbecue was enticing. It always is. You can even see on a windless night, you can see the smoke rising up from the barbecue and it would waft its way across the soccer field, illuminated by, you know, the lights on the, on the field. How could you resist? And I couldn't. So I walked on over and on offer uh, were these you know, chapatis, kind of like sausages, but they don't have any skin or anything. And then they had a thing called a steak sandwich and so on. You know, steak sandwich consisted of steak, oddly enough, um, in a roll with, you know, a list of the condiments and stuff like that, tomatoes and lettuce and cheese. And if you wanted to get fancy, there was uh, chili oil and stuff like that. So I ordered one of those, filled it up with all the condiments, a little bit of chili oil, because, you know, everyone deserves a little bit of fancy every now and then, don't we? I think we do. I did. So I did. And then I took that back and I was, I was eating that, that amazing, amazing thing. But something was missing. I didn't know what it was, but I wasn't complete. Something was missing. And then after finishing that, I walked back and I was still a little bit hungry and they had other things on offer, you know, chips, stuff like that. And there is an item in, in, in Australia and down south, um, which is called a potato cake. 
In New South Wales, they call it a potato scallop. I don't know why. That's madness. It's clearly a cake. So it's a potato cake. And then it dawned on me. It came to me. That potato cake combined with the steak sandwich. Oh my God. That could be the, the meal to enjoy. However, with lament, I would have to wait. I was full. I'd already had, you know, the uh, the feed for the night. So it had to wait until the next week. And I waited. Oh, I waited. I went to training. You know, I, I, I did all the, the kicking. There's a lot of kicking in soccer. Spoiler alert. I did a lot of the kicking, the running. And when you're not kicking, you are running. That's pretty much 95% of soccer is if you're, you're either kicking or you're running. I think the other five is yelling. Um, and then occasionally, you know, hitting the ball with your head and avoiding catching the ball. Cannot overstate this enough. Don't catch the ball. Um, it's not AFL. It's not cricket. It's not all the other sports. Just don't unless you're the keeper and then you can inside a certain area. You just can't catch it anywhere. It's strange though when the ball comes past. My initial instinct is to reach out and grab it. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm, I'm just resigned to the fact that I'm going to be that kind of guy forever. The, the hands will come out, then they'll move back, and yeah. But what I really wanted, yeah, I wanted to play that game. I wanted to play it well. And then afterwards, I needed to know, I needed to understand, I needed to see what was inside my mind. Was it true? I finally, finally realized what it's like. Well, what I assume is like to be, you know, one of those three-star Michelin chefs that just have a flavor combination in their mind and how that could possibly be transcendent. But they haven't had the opportunity to try it yet. Man, it, it must. It must torture them because it tortured me. So came that day. Match day. We played. We won. It's a good sign. It's a really good sign. And then afterwards, I walked on over. I walked up to the counter and I ordered one potato cake and one steak sandwich. And about four beers because, you know, that's that's the thing we did. I took the beers out. Placed them on the, on the on the table, gave them to the people. You know, it's a way of sort of saying thanks and stuff to you know, good plays, good passes, stuff like that. And nervously, I made my way over to the counter where the lady was doing the barbecuing. I held in my hand the potato cake, and I ordered a steak sandwich. She took the order, like all others, in that lovely delight that she did, and placed it down. And then I took the steak sandwich, I opened it up, and I slipped underneath the steak, the potato cake. Oh yeah, underneath. And then on top of that, you know, lettuce, tomato, cheese, uh, grated cheese, um, for those who are wondering what kind of cheese it was. It was grated cheese. I think it was tasty. I cannot confirm there was no uh, label on the cheese, so I'm just going to go with... 
I think it was tasty. Possibly cheddar. I don't know. I think tasty is a cheddar. It's just a more intense flavor of cheddar. Possibly not the most important thing to this story, but I put the cheese on. And then I drizzled a little bit of that, uh, the, the chili paste on top of that. And then I closed it up and I took it over. And then I bit into it. I don't want to say that I rose to the dizzying heights of heaven, but between you and me, I rose to the dizzying heights of heaven. I was there. Eyes closed. The sounds around me of soccer and drinking and post-game sort of analysis just faded into the background. And I was there. In heaven. Culinary and taste heaven. Is it good? In short. Without me pulling out my thesaurus, I can tell you that it was good. It was really, really Really good. And then I looked at that. And my mate Adam looked over and goes, What are you eating? And I turned to him and said, This, this is a royale. This is the steak sandwich of kings. The king of kings. Where I came up with the name, I honestly don't know to this date. I really don't know. But anyway, it popped in my head. And then I said, I'm having a royale. And then he tried one. And then I could see the look in his face. He went to culinary heaven as well. The combination of flavors was amazing. And so there it was. It was done. Game day, turn up, play, have a great time. Take your wins, take your losses, learn from your mistakes. Because afterwards, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Because no matter what happens, that royale is waiting for you. It's there. And so I, week after week after week, I would turn up. And sure enough, patterns, you know, we become familiar. So eventually the lady asked me, you do this every week. You bring the potato cake and come down. And I said, yeah, I, I'm having a royale. And she asked, what's a royale? And I said, well, it's actually the steak sandwich that you um you put the potato cake inside and I call it a royale. I don't know why. She laughed and I laughed and it was a great moment. And then that went from curiosity to as the weeks rolled on, I said, I'm having the royale. And it happened every week until, you know, the, the season ended. Well, it's a new season now. And I came back. And there, even though the season hasn't started, it actually starts tonight, by the way. Um, I walked up with potato cake in hand. And instantly she turned to me and goes, Oh, yeah, you're that royale guy. Yeah. You're the royale guy that, that has the, 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 the potato cake in there and calls it the royale. You're that guy. And I answered, Yeah. Yes, I am. She says, yeah, there's another guy that has that too. So I jokingly say, you should put it on the menu. Just sell it as a royale. 
guess what? Guess what happened last week? Humble beginnings, a humble experiment, turned out to be on the official menu of an amateur league soccer competition. That's right. It's there. I'm going to put it up. I'm going to put it up. Actually, yeah, I'll put it on the website because you won't get this because it'll be on the um, thing. Anyway, go to comfyplacepodcast.com. It'll be there. And you're going to have to trust me that I didn't actually, you know, make this up and write it myself. It's not my handwriting. Those who can see it know it's not my handwriting because it's legible. But it's there. It's official. The Royale is on the menu. Can I be honest with you for a second? When I started out on this journey, the humble guy who is standing in front of the counter holding a terrible pair of shoes, actually they were okay, but you know, it's the cheap pair of shoes, the entry level of shoes. I had no idea where this would lead me. I had no idea where this path would go. I knew there'd be pain, I knew there'd be injuries, I knew there'd be mistakes. I had no idea that I would rise and I would make such a contribution to the city you know, of Eltham. Then the Royale. And to have it officially recognised on the menu written in the same chalk that they write with all the other things that are on there. As an equal, not as an afterthought. I'm good. I'm very good. I think I'm safe to say that I'll never, ever get MVP. But my legacy is complete. My legacy is forevermore. You can have your pyramids. You can have your other sculptures that I wish I could think of right now coming to mind. Arc de Triomphe, possibly. Uh, the SB Pub. You can have those. I have my Royale on a menu. I hope you had a great evening. I hope you were sitting back and relaxing and having a great time. And if you're already asleep, I hope it's a restful one. And you may wake up with an inexplicable desire to have a steak sandwich with a potato cake slipped inside. If you have that inside your voice, um, or a veggie patch would actually work pretty well as well. I think it's the potato cake that makes it, you know, really work. If you have that desire, just go with it. It's all cool. Okay, this has been fun. I really enjoyed telling you about this. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. And I hope you have an amazing day and I will, I'll talk to you soon. Until then, goodbye.